and gentlemen, welcome to Our Next Guest Is. Hello and welcome to another Our Next Guest Is. This is a conversation where we meet the country's leading speakers and entertainers in the corporate and events world, and we meet the person behind the reputation. Well, my name's Michael Pope, and I'm here with Carson White from Leading Voice. And Carson, who is our next guest? Our next guest was born without the lower half of his left leg, but as we'll quickly learn, this was no impediment to his spirit, which has always been to have a crack. After spending over 20 years in elite sport with three Paralympic Games and four World Championships, our guest was a team manager for the Australian Athletics team at the 2012 London Paralympic Games, and he came out of retirement at age 38 to finish in the finals of the 2014 Commonwealth Games. The desire to have a crack has now taken him to the world stage as a much in-demand speaker, and as our next guest, please welcome Don Elgin. Oh, fellas, how good is this? I didn't realise you blokes had gone so far up in the world. This is incredible. I love it. Good on you. Nice response. I, I, do you do that on your stage as soon as you walk into your audience? No, I'm a bit scared of what I say first when I walk on. But no, typically I, uh, I I feel the room and the room is really it's lovely here today. So cool. I can only compliment you. Well done. Is you agreeing to be our next guest an example of that never say no attitude that's taking you through your life? 100%. I thought about on the way in today, I'm riding my motorbike in here and I'm just thinking, you know what, if I was to sum up my life in five words, yeah. it'd be never say no or have a crack or have another go. You know, that's yeah. actually not five words, but <laughs> which probably sums up my life in five words. It's not right. Yeah. It's not politically correct, but it's what's and all just one life have a crack. And when I look back on my life, it's it's actually 100% come from old man. It was his birthday just recently. Right. And I rang him up and he, I said, how are you go." Actually, I didn't even say, how are you going? I just started singing because on all our birthdays, he rings, <laughs> he's the worst voice. I've got a shocking voice. He trumps me. Yeah. He's got the yeah. worst voice, rings me up every birthday, all of us, the kids and family, and, and I've got four kids of mine, so he's got a big phone bill. Right. And yeah. he, he sings happy birthday and then he gives his own bloody crowd response at the end and I'm going, <laughs> you're kidding. So I had a crack at it just recently when I rang him and uh, it was good. It was a, a great thing and I, I think when I look at it, the app, does not fall too far from the truth. I imagine both parents were very much involved in instilling you with that attitude of have it a go because, as Carson said, yes, you were born with one leg missing, yeah, but it didn't stop you. Well, I think it, when I look at it, where the decisions were made were literally on my birthday. So it was a surprise to start with, not a surprise that you know, I was coming out. That was sort of <laughs> you a, a given. Yeah. They had a bit of warning <laughs> There on was that, something yeah. going on earlier. But then I've got an older brother an older sister and two younger sisters, and they're perfectly okay. So uh, I was a surprise. There was no ultrasound saying, Don Rosa, your third kid, it's missing bits, you know. Mm. It wasn't just my leg. My thumb was missing. My fingers were stuck together. I needed open-heart surgery at about three years of age. But the real winner for me was Dad drove me down to the children's hospital when I was three days old. He carried me, and I was 10 pound one, and that's missing Ooh. bits. So I was yeah, a decent-sized mug. Yeah, yeah, hello. Yeah. And he looked around, and what he noticed is he noticed that, that people were literally fighting for survival. So babies were struggling to survive. He looked at me and goes, mate, you'll be right. Yeah. And, and that's the approach that he's absolutely made sure that I've adopted, that I'll be right. Just get up and have a crack. Your parents always actually said you'd never had a disability. Mm. I mean, you didn't even think you had a disability. When did you actually, that realisation, you had something that slightly different? When I had access to the bloody world's best car parking space, 
is that's when I realised. <laughs> I, no, it was in 1990. Was, was that your birthday present, a disabled parking sticker for <laughs> your 18th birthday? Yeah. Was sport always in your blood as a kid? Were you the fastest in the in the class? No, I was hopeless in the class. <laughs> I went to Togemore Public School. There was 160 kids there. I was the only one missing bits. So I'll give you the tip. When the fat kids come along, I love that because I stopped getting teased for a bit. You know, he's a redhead and a fat kid and, like, they got all the tension and I got less. So that was the realisation. That's when I come to terms with the fact that I was different. So in 1990, one of my mates at, at Finlay High School come up to me. His name was Craig Kelly. He said, Donnie, why don't you go to the Paralympics? And I said, what are they? Yeah. Because in my family, disabled, handicapped, special, those words were never used. So mm. when my mate said, go to the disabled games, Paralympics, I asked him what they were. And he said, well, they're games for disabled people. I said, well, no, I can't go to those. He goes, well, why not? I said, not disabled. He goes, mate, you've got one leg. You're disabled. <laughs> I said, righto. So the lights started to come on a little bit. And I said, does this mean I get to go overseas and play sport? He goes, yeah, if the Olympics are overseas, so are the Paralympics. And I thought, hello, because yeah. I'd heard stories about the village and I thought yeah. this will be. <laughs> so they're not true. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I thought, how good would this be? So I, I go home and I tell my mum and dad, dad, mum, I'm going to go to the Paralympics. Mum puts down the spuds and they both look at me and he says, you're going to go to the what? I said to the Paralympics, because my parents, remember, never never being used disabled, handicapped, yes, special, yes, nothing. And yes. all of a sudden, I'm there going, I'm one, I'm going. And they've said, what are they? And I said to my dad, oh, they're games for disabled people. My dad said, you're not bloody disabled. Yeah, and right. I just thought, oh, there goes my trip overseas. So, so that sums up, obviously, where you know, your, your whole mental state and attitude growing up as a teenager and then now in your life. You had a budding football career, I believe, before you, you went thought of anything about Paralympics. Tell us about – there was a funny story on the football field, if I recall. Mate, I, I would like to think I had a, a football career, but I was I was literally a country bumpkin playing footy. And, but honestly, I was being with my mates, and I love being – I just love doing anything with my mates and, and being around good, good people, having a good time. And I remember one Friday night – I watched Gary Ablett Senior, the original, mm. uh, get up and take a big mark and kick a goal. And I just thought, what a bloody legend. You know, this guy is awesome. I said, I'm going to be like Ablett tomorrow. So I'm playing for Toke in the fourth. So anyway, I'm there with this big idea because oh, you might have worked out, I make decisions really quick and decide that's <laughs> it. So I decided I was going to be a football star the next day. Right. It'd been raining Friday night, didn't think much of that. Anyway, I played in the forward pocket, bit of a goal sneak, wasn't a fast runner back then. And I decided, this is it. This is my moment. And I knew I'd have to go up the ground to get the ball. Because my plan was, go up the ground, get the ball, kick a goal, be a superstar. Yeah. And I'd go <laughs> up the ground because the ball didn't come down the forward line much. Our team was shit. Anyway, <laughs> halfway through the second quarter, I start running. I get through the centre-half forward area. I go, got this. Said the footy. Right in the middle. Straight in the middle. The middle's the old cricket pitch. Because it's been raining Friday night, the cricket pitch is boggy. I've run in there, and I've taken a step, and next minute, I'll... I thought, what's that? I've taken another step. My bloddy legs come off and it's standing up in the mud behind me. I thought, shit, what am I going to do? And I could see the footy. It was only about a metre in front of me. So this huge big hop and I've jumped on the footy. This idiot's jumped in my back and the umpire's gone, you're free kick, mate. I'm standing there with no leg on. How do you kick the ball? I handballed the ball. The runner, he came out, got my leg out the mud and I hopped off the track. And the coach goes, hey, Donnie, that's why you're in the forward pocket, mate. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Give us the headlines of your Paralympic career. Yeah, great question. Three Paralympic Games, Atlanta in 96, Sydney 2000, Athens 2004. Couldn't get fit enough to make Athens in, uh, sorry, Beijing in 2008. I had surgery in 2006 and really never got Back to my best after that. I right. was knee surgery. The event that I chose was a pentathlon. And That's pent- five events. Five, yes. Mm. You're the first person that's ever known that. That's excellent. <laughs> I don't think so. So. <laughs> anyway. so the five events for below knee amputees are shot put, discus, 100, 400 and long jump. And it's all in the one day. So 
It's a tough day, yeah. but bloody awesome. So in 96, I finished fourth. And then in Sydney, I won my first Paralympic medal. I got the bronze. Fantastic. And then in Athens, I got a bronze and a silver and a bronze in the relays as well. So I had a good run, three mm. Paralympic Games, four world champs. But the, the medal tally is a bit I like because I went to three Paralympic Games and ended up with four Paralympic medals. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I yeah. tell people but, that and then stop right there. Yeah. But, but yeah. don't jump over the fact that you came out of retirement, in inverted commas, at age 38. So what they do at the Commonwealth Games, they say, right, we've got 18 events for athletes with disabilities and we will integrate those 18 into the program ideally the host country will pick what events they will be and you know any host country with half a brain will pick where their athletes mm. are the strongest mm-hmm. so ideally mm-hmm. if you can break a world record you've got the world record holder yeah. you're going to put that event on and so there was no events for me in Melbourne when we had the Commonwealth Games I ended up commentating at that right and then I had the opportunity I went as the team manager to the London Paralympic Games, which in itself is a bizarre thing. The fact that they would put me in charge of the bloody <laughs> team. Right? Have you not learned anything? Have you not been watching? Anyway, it was good because no one got away with anything without me being there. So that was good. Yeah. I enjoyed uh, just sort of being one step ahead, which is a bit unusual in my life. But then <laughs> on the back of that, I found out the Commonwealth Games had the, an event leg amputee discus so they combine below knee amputees and above knee amputees for the Glasgow Commonwealth Games and I thought geez that will be my first and probably only time ever to wear an Australian uniform that doesn't say Paralympian or Mm. and not that I have any issue with that Mm. but anyone who's ever wanted to represent the country want to do it in in the big league yeah and that was my chance and that's why I did it so I bloody loved it fantastic and you ended in the finals too yeah yeah so I made the top eight so there was a time in my life that Probably fair to say I would have been, you know, amongst the medals in the in the Commonwealth. What a life, Carson. What a life. What an energy. Yes. What stories this man has. And now, and you've done this for a while, you're putting that on the stage and speaking to corporates. You're being very lucky. I think the – and I say lucky because I think it's easy to – to look at life and go, you know what, if you've been fortunate, if you've been able to have a few things go your way, then, you know, luck's played its part. So for me, it's about saying, hey, yes, we can be in the corporate world, we can make extremely good dollars and we can do some wonderful things, but don't forget, you're going to die. Don't forget, we get one crack at life and if we forget that, then we miss out. And so that really is the essence of of what I take. It's about Mm. saying, okay, let's put the spotlight on me. Let me show you what a shit attitude can do for you. Because there was times in my life where, you know, I missed my first Paralympic Games team. I said to my dad, stuff it, I quit, I give up. You know, I was 16 and I'd had enough. Mm. And dad said, well, geez, with an attitude like that, mate, you're going to get stuff all done in life. You'll give up every time it gets hard. So being able to share that, being able to share the fact that, you know, just waking up every day and going, you know what? This is another day. I'm fortunate to have this day. We live in this incredible country that, you know, gives us an opportunity. So I figure, what excuse have we got? And people would look at me and go, oh, you've got an excuse because you're missing half your leg, you know. You're, and I go, yeah, well, that's a pretty lame bloody excuse, isn't it? So there was time in my life where seriously I contemplated suicide and I, I didn't like life I hated living I hated being me and I was fortunate to be able to have some really great advice around that time to be able to get through that and when I'm presenting I'm presenting warts and all I, I share mm. you know one I'm conscious of the brief but I'm really conscious about well what can I add to these people's lives mm. not to just help them work better but bloody help them be better parents I'm a parent of four kids so I get that you know things don't always go to plan I get that that life throw things at us and I figure that if we 
give up on learning, then we might as well jump in the box now. But if we're open to learning we, from wherever it comes, and when I'm on stage, that's my opportunity to, to be the educator, and I love it. Can you tell us what it was that uh, took you out of that dark space those years ago? Yeah, it was my old man, mate. I remember... Him again? Yeah, he's bloody... He's <laughs> been a pest, hasn't he? He's, <laughs> he's every time something's good or bad. No, I remember come home, and I, you know, I sort of thought I'd come to terms with the fact that I didn't have a leg, and you know, that's the way it was in my school. I'd finally made what should have been a highlight of my schooling career. I'd made it to represent our school and play footy for the for the footy team against the other school. And that day, I got like I got bullied. I, I really copped it really bad, and and I was emotionally not able to deal with it. I went home, and I'm sitting in our little kiosk in Tokemall, and I'm sitting on the three boxes of Coca-Cola, 1.25 litre boxes. You see how bloody clear this is? And I'm sitting there, and I'm contemplating which way I would end myself. And my dad walked in. He goes, mate, what's wrong? Why are you sooping? Because I was crying. I just thought, you know, I'm really hating life. And I said, why me? Why did it have to be me? Why not my brother or one of my sisters? You know, because it's three of them. Why couldn't one of them have one leg and I have two? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, <laughs> even things up a bit. And... And what he did there was, in my view, was a stroke of genius. He didn't wrap me up in cotton wool and say, it's going to be okay. He just come straight back to me and said, well, why not you? He goes, you've got a good attitude. You can deal with it. He saw the strength in you to be able to cope with the way you are. Exactly. And at this point, he hits me back with, you've got a good one. You can deal with it. And then he hits me with this one. He goes, could be worse. Then I started thinking, shit, imagine if I had no legs, imagine if I had no arms or couldn't see. And so all of a sudden my could be worse and I've got a good attitude. I just thought, nah, that's crap. So I started then turning things around. Yeah, he he gave you an insight into the perspective that we see life from. Absolutely. And and he did it pretty tough. Like my old man had siblings who died when they were babies. He was raised by a single mum. His dad died. So, you know, and he was in and out of trouble as a young bloke. And so he knew that that life can be tough. Mm. And you know what? The tougher ones survive that. The ones that aren't will look at that and just that will be a reason. That will be an excuse. And and he didn't want me to have excuses. So I was really, really happy that, you know, I look back on it now and go, mate, that was a tough call, but bloody well done. Yeah. So how do you fold all of that life learning from your dad and all those other experiences into your talks? Yeah, well, depending on, again, who I'm speaking with. So whether I'm at the Juvenile Justice doing some stuff with White Lion or whether I'm, you know, with BHP and we've got corporates that are literally on in and out of the country flying around or miners, you know, spending time up in the mines, you know, all of these things. It's like, okay, well... What is the brief? What do you actually want to get out of this? Are we looking to say, hey, you've got bad morale and there's been a bit of change and people, there's a bit of uncertainty, so we need to we need to be clear on where we're heading? So mm. I grabbed those parts of my life. I've also done, fortunately, been able to work in some, some great organisations and now got my own leadership program. So bringing all that together, for me, it's all about saying, well, what are we trying to achieve with with having a, a guest speaker. Mm. If we're just having a few laughs and, you know, footy club gigs and all that sort of stuff, buddy, giddy up, mate. I'm there and I've I got, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, <laughs> I, I love those sort of engagements. But I would say that I, I love all the engagements. So whether it's a, the kids at, at schools that, that, you know, think things are tough because their friend doesn't like them on social media and it's just nice to be able to say, well, let's just, let's just stop for a minute and have a look into another life. Let's get yeah. that perspective yeah. that your dad enlightened you. When you get Don Elgin, you do get the chance to flog a couple of books as well. You've written One Foot on the Podium and then another one, One Foot Beyond the Podium. Is the next one One Foot Down the Hall and Out of the Roof? <laughs> is, there, is there another one coming? Well, tell me, you know what, these two here, are there, was my target market is for, 
for probably the me's of the world. So that little kid that was daydreaming about playing sport at school yeah. or, you know, not necessarily focused and concentrating and, and not, not necessarily agreeing with what the world had to say. Because the world would often dish up, oh, it's okay that you come last or whatever because you've got one leg. And I'm going, that's bullshit. I don't want to come last, you know. I want yeah. to be better. Yeah. So if I had another book, it would actually be a kid's book. It would be a kid's book like Donnie does or something. Yeah, and just fantastic. help kids yeah. really process there's a number of tips that you give on your website, donelgan.com.au. A couple jumped out to me. Use doors to reset my attitude. That's yeah. fantastic. Talk to that for a minute. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I told you I ride a motorbike one day, and I, I must admit, I don't always follow all the rules. And so <laughs> there's these signs that say you can do this fast. I'm going, you're kidding. You can do much faster than that. <laughs> but anyway, I, and I lane split and all that sort of stuff on the bike. And this one day I thought, and I talked to myself a bit in my helmet because you're sort of the only one there, so you have a chat and a sing. <laughs> so here I am. I'm riding down Nepean Highway going home and just being in my lane, minding my own business, this car just pulls into my lane and nearly wipes me out. I just thought, you rotten person, what are you doing? You know, like, missed me by about four centimetres, so it was bloody close. I skidded, I stayed on my bike, and what really got me was, you know the universal sign where you put your hand up and say, oh, shit, sorry, mate, didn't mean that, Mm, and mm. and all of a sudden everything's okay in the world again. Didn't happen, and I just thought, oh, you dick. So anyway, when I get home, my kids, I don't know how I've done this, but I trained them up beautifully. They come running out of the house, Dad! and they're happy to see me. They're lunatics like their mum. <laughs> anyway, they get to help me push my bike back into the couple. It's the best part of my everyday, yeah. seriously. This day I was filthy at this peanut nearly wiped me out, and I skidded my bike in the carport, put the stand down, walked in the front door. Little Millie come running up to give me a great big hug. Hadn't made it out the door yet. And... I looked down, here's this little kid done absolutely nothing wrong and I was still frothing at the Mm. mouth of this peanut up the road and I just turned around and hung up my keys and I just thought, no, that's crap. This kid's done nothing wrong about to cop the brunt of my frustration Mm. because of something that's out of their control. And the first thing I saw was the door. I thought, stuff it, I'm going to leave my baggage outside that door from now on. So every single time I went through that door... Your attitude changed. Yeah, it was my cue just to reset and not necessarily get it right, but just to be in control. And if I didn't want to take baggage with me, bloody leave it there. Mm. And then after that, I started thinking, well, geez, if I can do that in my front door... How many doors do I go through in a day? Yeah, so then yeah, I started yeah. counting doors. Then I got a bit weird and started taking photos of doors. Yeah, now and getting, now I tell now other people to do it. And <laughs> I'll tell you what I do notice though, is every now and then you just like, because after this, you've now heard the door story, yeah. you will have a different view on a door. You'll yeah, see sure. it and you'll go, oh, big yeah. double door. I like that one. Yeah. Right? But sometimes you'll be just sitting in the toilet and you'll see this nice door. You go, oh, that's a nice door. But be careful because when you walk out of the toilet with a big smile on your face because <laughs> of the door, people will judge you. Trust me. <laughs> I get, me, it, so. I get yeah. it. That's fantastic. Motivation. Leadership, change, gratitude, they're all kind of the topics that you say that you can bring to any event. Is there one event that really stands out and will always stand out in your mind? Probably the, the one that really like jumps out and goes, oh, yeah, I hope I never have another one like that, is and for anyone who's got something big on, I'll give you this little piece of advice. Don't try a new diet on the way in the lead up to a gig. <laughs> I heard this thing about, I was looking to try and tidy up a bit, lose a bit of weight. So I bloody started this lime, like drinking, like it was excessive lime. But what it did is the way it helps you lose a bit of weight is because it gives you the runs. I'm right. sitting there right before question time, just about through, and my gut started to rumble. I thought, this is not ideal. Like, you know, when you're the only one in the room knows you're about to make yes. a bloody big mess if this isn't wrapped up. 
so and of course because if you want to be professional and not say oh by the way I, I'm about to shit myself <laughs> I, I literally I took the, there was the shortest two answers of questions yeah. in the history Any questions? Yes, no, no, no good right I'm gone. <laughs> flew into the house car. Don you've got a fantastic energy I haven't seen you Carson has but I haven't seen you in flight but I can imagine the energy that you bring to any space and, and the take homes I reckon it's wall to wall stories and the messages are written loud and clear in front of that audience and they can really take something from it thanks for your time today thanks mate I've really appreciated being here and I've really enjoyed too the last 10 minutes how you've both taken your feet off me so that's very nice I'll approve now well, if you'd like to experience the energy, enthusiasm, and passion for your next event, please go to www.donalvin.com.au. That's right, mate. That's where you'll find me. You've been listening to Our Next Guest Is, brought to you by Carson White from Leading Voice and MC Michael Pope. You can hear all our guests on iTunes or simply visit www.ournextguestis.com.au. But until next time, let's take a break. Yeah.